Oh, Father, what blessing, what mercy you have poured out on a people that has rebelled against you. Would rather shake their fist in defiance or live in indifference. Oh, Lord, you are kind. You're patient. Indeed, your steadfast love endures forever. We're so thankful that in Christ we are that people that receives these blessings. That we are yours and you are ours. We are enthralled in that, delighted. Oh, our heart soars, wanting to know this God that loves a people like this. Oh, Lord, would you open our heart, our heart and our mind uh, this afternoon as your word is brought to us. May we rejoice to hear again of the glory of Christ. And Lord, may they stir within us a great love for you, a great gratitude that that propels us to live a life pleasing to you, a life that glorifies you, that shows the world the value that we have in you. Oh, Lord, we're thankful uh, for your ministry to us this day, and we're especially thankful for the ordinance of baptism. And Oh, Lord, would you preach mightily into our hearts through that ordinance this afternoon as we rejoice in your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To Proverbs chapter 18. As we continue to make our way through Proverbs. Looking at Proverbs 18, 1 through 12 this afternoon. Proverbs 18. 1 through 12. I'll give our attention to God as He speaks to us and instructs us in wisdom from His Word. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also. And with honor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Amen. This concludes the reading of God's word. May he not be pleased. That is blessing to it. Well, we can think of many destructive things in this life. There's natural disasters such as volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, which can flatten buildings and homes and obliterate structures in the matter of moments. There are explosives such as dynamite and 
bombs that can cause massive destruction in a very short amount of time. And then there are destructive insects, such as termites, which can uh, destroy the integrity of a home, a house. However, the most destructive thing there is in the world is foolishness. Foolishness not only destroys one's life in this world, but it also brings a soul into destruction in the next life, if not repented of. So what I want us to look at are four areas in which the destruction of foolishness is expressed. And the first is this, pride. Verse 1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So this is someone who's separating himself from others because he doesn't want to have to submit to any sort of God-ordained authority. He doesn't like others telling him what to do or get in the way of him fulfilling his own desires and will. He does not take counsel, advice, rebuke, correction, or instruction. He or she makes big decisions without seeking wisdom or guidance because he thinks he is completely sufficient in himself. And this is seen in people who withdraw from church because they want to pursue a life apart from God. This is that kind of John Wayne Christianity where I don't need to join myself to a church. I just go out and worship God however I want in the woods because I really don't want to do anything other than my own will. And this happens when a person knows that he or she is going to be confronted. And so they want to avoid a meeting with that person because they don't want to change. And in a way that uh, we don't suspect, uh, this also comes uh, by way of somebody that wants to be that person that arrives at an insight from the Bible that no one else has ever arrived at or not caring that the conclusion that somebody arrives from the Bible, uh, no one has ever concluded in the past. I know people from seminary that are like that. I want to be that man that has that insight that no one else has, thus separating myself from all others. But what is interesting is that the same person who isolates himself it's also the same person who believes that you should listen to him. In verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. So a fool who isolates himself because he's seeking his own desire, he's seeking to do his own thing, has no pleasure in understanding. I don't want to be instructed. I don't want to learn. I'm good with my own insights. Thank you very much. I don't want to hear that I'm wrong, and I don't want to change. But while not wanting to hear what others have to say, he wants you to hear what he has to say. He is so proud and haughty that he believes he knows it all and believes that he is right so as to teach others without himself needing to be taught. This is the way of a proud fool. And we continue to see pride in verse 3. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Now, this has been viewed in two ways. The first is that when somebody's wicked, they show contempt for others, they despise others. 
But I think the other way this has been viewed is correct, and that is a general truth that if you act wickedly, you're not going to get honor. You are only going to see contempt. This brings us down to verse 12, jumping down there. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. We saw a similar proverb, Proverbs 16, 18, which said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride or a haughty spirit is someone who thinks very highly of himself. This is someone who often talks about himself, his accomplishments, what he's doing, his life, while showing no interest in others. He spends a lot of time caring about how others view him. And this precedes destruction, a great fall and ruining one's life, and will lead into the next life if not turned from. However, the opposite is true. What precedes honor is humility. Do you want honor? Really forget about yourself. Humility is to not think highly of yourself. I like how the 19th century pastor Charles Bridges describes this. He says it's lowliness of mind, meekness of temper, thankfulness in receiving reproof, forgetfulness of injury, readiness to be lightly regarded. This is somebody who has come to see the greatness of their sin and misery from the law of God. They know that they are worthy of condemnation, worthy of death. They have nothing to boast in, in and of themselves. And so they have been comforted by Christ taking His place. Christ being His righteousness. Christ doing everything that that person could not do for Himself. So his boast is not in himself. His boast is in the Lord. What do I have to boast in? I'm a condemned sinner. But Christ stood condemned for me. He paid for my penalty for me. He was raised from the dead for me. I have nothing to boast in and of myself. I make my boast in the Lord. The boast in the Lord who is also living in me and working out sanctification in me. So I take credit for nothing but all glory goes to Him, my King and my Defender who has delivered me from my enemies of sin, death, and the devil. So I'm no longer a slave of sin, but now a slave of righteousness and free to walk in holiness. When we grasp this, we know we have nothing to prove, nothing to boast in, but we place our confidence and boast in the Lord. As it is written, the one who boasts boast in the Lord. A second area in which the destruction of foolishness is expressed is through words. Verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. So the words of anyone's mouth originate from the secret thoughts of his heart, which we don't know unless he expresses it somehow. And this is primarily expressed in words. But when the wise express them, The proverb says, they are like a well that springs forth as a bubbling brook. It's like clean, refreshing water. These are words that I can benefit from. They're helpful to all who hear. They're edifying. It's like drinking from a clean, refreshing, cool spring. But this is not the case with the wicked. For starters, they are unjust. Verse 5, it is not good to be partial to the wicked, or to deprive the righteous of justice. 
This may apply to words in the sense of a verdict rendered in a court, declaring somebody guilty when they're innocent, depriving justice. And this is another proverb we see on injustice. The fact that this keeps coming up in Proverbs demonstrates that God is a God who cares about justice, who cares about doing what is right. And we should as well. Injustice is to show partiality to the wicked, to not punish people for their wickedness. It is equally unjust to deprive the righteous of this justice, those who are in the right, for not punishing the one who did evil to them and also not seeing to it that they get reimbursed for their loss. In verses 6 and 7, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. So lips here is symbolic for the words of one's mouth, what comes out of their mouth. A fool gets in trouble because of his speech. The Bible here says it leads him into a fight, invites a beating, and is his ruin and a snare to his soul. He says things that pushes people's buttons, that stirs up wrath and dissension, that gets people angry and can even get him beat up. And it is his ruin. He ruins relationships, he ruins his reputation, and it ensnares him in his sin. In verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. A whisperer is just another word for a gossip. It's called a whisperer because this person is saying things in secret. He doesn't want the person against whom he is speaking, to hear. This person is slandering, speaking evil, giving a bad report about a person behind their back, rather than seeking to cover that person and protect their reputation and good name, which is what God commands us to do in the ninth commandment. But here the proverb focuses not so much on the one speaking as it does on the one who hears this report. says that this person is hearing these words and they are like delicious morsels, like chocolate candy or potato chips that you just can't put down after eating. So is gossip. The reason for this is because our flesh wants to boast in ourselves. Our flesh wants to justify ourselves. Our flesh wants to know that we are good. And what's a good way of doing that? Hearing a bad report about others. Hey, that person's bad. I'm not like that person. I'm not so bad after all. However, if we are trusting in Christ's righteousness and not our own, then we will not desire to hear dirt on others in order to justify ourselves and make us feel righteous because we are trusting in the righteousness of Christ. And being justified in Him. A third area in which the destruction of foolishness is expressed is in one's work. So we've seen first pride, second words, third work. Verse 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Once again, Proverbs brings up one's work, the topic that comes up quite a bit, showing that it is important. The one who is slack, that is the one who is lazy, who is not diligent, in his work and not disciplined to do it well 
and timely does not merely affect himself. Rather, he affects others. He affects others' lives. The way the proverb puts it here is that he is a brother to him who destroys. The lazy person comes from the same womb, as it were, as the person who causes destruction. He's a brother to the one that sets fields on fire, which is what they did back then to destroy uh, others' property, burning someone's business down, creating great loss through stealing and fraud. This person who's lazy is his twin brother. He has the same genes, so to speak. They do not seek to bless others or be considerate of others. Rather, they drain others, are unreliable, and it ends up costing the other person. It's a person who gets paid the same as a diligent worker, but does less work, less quality work, and thus causing the employer to lose money. It's a person who is contracted out to do work for somebody, but doesn't do it in a high quality or timely manner, thus causing the person, the business owner, who hired them out precious time and money. So the foolishness of laziness is costly and destructive. Fourth area in which the destruction of foolishness is expressed. We've seen pride, we've seen words, we've seen work. Fourthly, security, confidence. In verse 10, we see the security of the righteous. And in verse 11, we see the security of a worldly or earthly person. So verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. So we see the security of the righteous and wise man. The way the security is illustrated to us is that of a strong tower. This was a very strong and fortified refuge that people would run to when there was an attack on their city. And this is what the name of the Lord is to the righteous when there's danger. What is the safe place they go to? Well, it's the name of the Lord. Now, name of the Lord does not refer to a mere label, as in a name tag. Rather, the name of the Lord refers to who God is and His perfections and characters revealed to us in His Word. The name that God revealed to Moses when He asked him was, I am who I am. God is who He is. He he was not given His existence. He is His own existence. He was not given His attributes. He is His own attributes. He is love. He is righteousness. He is eternal. Therefore, God does not change. There is no turning of shadow with thee, as the hymn goes. Therefore, He is our righteousness. He is our refuge. Because God is who He is and cannot be other than who He is, He will not change on us. He will not be somewhat different tomorrow. He will not be faithful today, reliable today, but then unreliable tomorrow because God cannot change. And so what He says will surely come to pass when He promises that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can take that to the bank. You can rest your eternal soul on that because God is who He is and will remain unchanging. He's unchangeable. Later on, when God was declaring His name to Moses on the mountain, He declared this, The Lord, the Lord God, a God merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, who pardon sin, iniquity, and transgression, who will by no means clear the guilty. This is a refuge for the righteous. This is a refuge for those who believe on Him. And this refuge is most clearly displayed in the Gospel. For where do we see that God is merciful and gracious, overflowing in steadfast love, who pardons sin but in no way compromises His justice? It's at the cross. It's at the cross where God gave up His Son in the place of sinners so that He would forgive sin without compromising His justice and let the sinner go free while condemning His only begotten Son. This is love. This is mercy. This is a God who pardons sin. Who is a God like this who pardons sin, transgression, and iniquity? Oh, we have seen this clearly though at the cross of Christ. And this is the refuge of those who have turned from their sin and turned to God in faith and repentance. And notice how this verse ends. And are kept safe. You are truly safe when you trust in the Lord. You are truly safe when you call out on His name. What danger were you in? You were under the wrath of God and under condemnation because of your sin. But now you are safe from the wrath of God, from His eternal judgment because of trusting in Him, because of trusting in the work of Christ. This is our security, we who believe. However, the fool has a different confidence and security. Verse 11, a rich man's wealth is his strong city, like a high wall in his imagination. So where is the righteous place of security in the name of the Lord? The unchangeable I am. The rich places his trust in his security. Or places his trust and security in his wealth. And this is not merely how much money he has in the bank account. But this is somebody who trusts in the things of this world for his security. It's the treasures of the earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in. This is said to be their strong city, a secure city surrounded by a high wall. In his imagination, he believes this is his security. He believes that the things of this world that he looks to is what's going to give him security and comfort like a city back then that had a high wall. This is what he sees as his security. He rests assured in the comforts and apparent security that an abundance of earthly possessions and treasures of this world bring. But it could be taken away in a moment. As Proverbs 23.5 says, For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven. Trusting in the fleeting and temporary things of this world is a false security. And Paul warns against this in 1 Timothy 6. He says, by doing so, it has plunged many people into destruction. But the true security is found in the unchangeable Lord. He is our portion. 
He is our reward. And He will fully satisfy us who have believed in Him throughout all of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the work of Christ. We're thankful that You are unchangeable from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. We are thankful that You are the rock eternal. That You are who You are. That You derive Your being from nobody. You are completely uh, independent and self-sufficient. You depend on no one. Therefore, You are completely dependable. And so, Father, help us turn away from foolishness. Help us turn away from our pride. As we look to You in faith and repentance and glory in You, uh, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we have uh, the wonderful privilege of observing one of the ordinances of the Lord this uh, evening, which is the ordinance of baptism. A baptism is a sign from God. A baptism is a visible promise. As uh, we have uh, promises in God's Word that are verbal, we have a promise in a visible sign. That baptism points to the work of Christ. It points to what God has done. And so the one who's getting baptized is not only following Christ's command to be baptized and is professing their faith uh, publicly, but God is also saying something. And it's primarily God. He's the one who takes center stage here. Because the one being baptized is not declaring what they have done. They are declaring what the Lord has done for them in a visible word. Baptism represents union with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. So as the person goes down into the water, it is visibly portraying the person dying with Christ and being buried with Christ. And as the person comes up out of the water, it is visibly portraying a new life in Christ. And this only happens through faith in Christ. When a person places their faith in Christ, they die to their old self. They're buried in their with Christ to their old self, but they come out a new creature when they are crucified. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.